Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Then as soon as we wanted to watch it on that Forgotten Cinema, it goes to A&E, and I got to pay to rent it. She obliterates his area. He's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the ball. That too late. guy. There's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain. Oh, man, he reads a lot. He's such a weird <laughs> man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. Oh, my God. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah. It begins season 14. Okay. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> Great job, dude. <laughs> They're like, okay. Oh, yeah. What up? All right. <laughs> I'm just a robot. I just hit a button and I have yeah. to say Butler hasn't been Butler hasn't been doing pilot these episodes since uh, season 10. So <laughs> what do you think, Butler? Click. Yeah. It was great. I've just have canned responses for him. <laughs> He's just so uninteresting that you don't notice. <laughs> what are we doing this week? We're doing 2017's Atomic Blonde. The crown jewel of Her Majesty's Secret Intelligence Service, Agent Lorraine Broughton, Broughton? Broughton. Broughton. is equal parts spycraft, sensuality, and savagery, willing to deploy any of her skills to stay alive on her impossible mission, sent alone into Berlin to deliver a priceless dossier out of the disabled, disabled destabilized city she partners with embedded station chief david percival to navigate her way through the deadliest game of spies that's a weird synopsis also the official synopsis from focus features interesting interesting well i mean whatever (laughs) (laughs) atomic bond has a runtime of 115 minutes a radar production budget of 30 million dollars which actually surprised me i thought there'd be a lot more money to this so Mm -hmm. i'm I'm, that i was like interesting where'd the money go I mean, what? I mean, I wonder if they took salary cuts or whatever. I'm sure Charlize took just like a prof percentage. Maybe, maybe. Uh, release date was Friday, July 28th, 2017. So only about five years old. And a summer film at that. It's opening weekend. It did $18 million, domestic $51 million, And then worldwide, all total was about $100 million. So I guess you would consider this a hit. Yeah. Production companies are several. Let's see our pictures. Denver and Delia Productions, which is uh, Charlie Saron's production company, closed on Monday's Entertainment, TGIM Films, and 8711 Productions. And it was distributed, as Butler said before, by Focus Features. So it came out on the 28th of July. It went up against an wide release, The Emoji Movie, which Ooh. is no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch that in theaters. It was, uh, oof. Oof. It was a big oof. Uh, limited release, you had the film Detroit. The week after August 4th, you actually had Detroit come out wide. And then you also had The Dark Tower, which I'm sure Butler hated. And the movie Kidnap, but also in a limited release, Wind River. Remember that for that will be something we talk about later this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the 21st of July, in a wide release, you had Dunkirk, uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets and Girls Trip. 
You, you saw Dunkirk, but did you see Valerian? Did we watch Valerian together? We did not watch Valerian. I remember watching it and being like, meh. A lot of people had that reaction. Yeah. And, and I, I never went back to it afterward because we watched yeah. Dunkirk that week instead of Valerian, obviously. Oh, so of I course. I never went well, to Valerian. You, when we watched Dunkirk in IMAX because it was like the trailer was like ridiculous. And right. Every, you know, you just wanted to see it in IMAX. And, I, and apparently if I didn't see it in IMAX, Christopher Nolan was going to beat the crap out of me or something. That's so. right. He comes to your house. He's got, <laughs> he's got a list. You get better than me. Did you buy standard tickets? <laughs> <laughs> this film is directed by David Lech. I apologize if I said your name wrong. Uh, he has done Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw, and the upcoming Bullet Train. This is his first solo credit after co-directing the film, John Wick. Oh, yeah. Written by Kurt Johnstadt, who's done 300, Rise of an Empire, Act of Valor, and Rebel Moon. This movie is actually based, let me get that fact for you, on the graphic novel The Coldest City, which came out in 2012, and that's written by Anthony Johnson and illustrated by Sam Hart. I was gonna try to find this and watch it, but I, or excuse me, read it. But I just, I didn't, <laughs> it just didn't happen, but I still kind of want to see maybe the differences or what they changed or whatnot, which we'll get it. So yeah. What's I mean, the, the twists have to be, cause the twists are just like a change in her accent. So obviously mm. they got to be a little bit more overt maybe in the, in terms of the comic, how they do the twist. No idea. Maybe. Yeah. Cinematographer was Jonathan Saylor. Who's done John Wick, the lost city. And he did the 2006, the omen composer was Tyler Bates. Who's done. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2. I don't know if he did, if he's doing 3. Uh, he's done all the John Wicks and Watchmen. Edited by Elizabeth Ronald Stotter. I think I said that right. She's done Kate and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Produced by A.J. Dix, who's done uh, Lucky Number 11, Tully and the Old Guard, which is a uh, the both the last two are Charlie's uh, Theron. Uh, Eric Gitter has done Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and Extraction. Beth Kono, who's done Gringo and Murder Mystery. And Kelly McCormick, who is actually the wife of director David Lich, who's done Nobody and Palms, to name a few. So Charlie Theron is in this, which we've already talked about several times. She's in, she plays Lorraine. She has won an Oscar for Monster and been nominated for Bombshell and North Country. She's also her first film. Do you know what her first film was? Her first credited film. There's an uncredited one, but her first credit. I'm going to say Reindeer Games and get it wrong. Oh, God. Yeah. Two Days in the Valley. Okay. Her second credit is uh, The Thing You Do. Her first is an uncredited one I, where she's in the background, but you can't. She has no credit, so I don't count that. James McAvoy plays Percival. I'm not calling him by his first name because they never do in the movie. Uh, I think they do when they first talk yeah, about it. But him. they always say Percival. Percival. Yeah. So he's Percival. He is in The Last King of Scotland, Atonement and Filth. Eddie Marzon as Spyglass. He's in The World's End, Gangs of New York, and the TV show Ray Donovan. Uh, John Goodman as Kersfeld, who's in the TV show Roseanne and the Connors. Is that what it's called now? The Connors, yeah. yeah. He's also in The Big Lebowski and 10 Cloverfield Lane. He's in a ton of stuff. But those are the ones I chose. Toby Jones <laughs> is Eric Gray. He's an infamous Captain America, the first Avenger. He plays the bad guy. What is that guy's name? The guy, uh, the guy that gets uploaded into the mainframe from 1978 or something. Or 1940. Nazi dude yeah, guy. That guy. That guy. He's also in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, Arnim did. There Zola. we go. Zola. Cut me off. That's great. Sorry. James yeah. Faulkner as Chief C or C. He's in the Games of Thrones TV show. He's also Paul, Apostle of Christ. Uh, Roland Muller as Bremovich, who's in Skyscraper and The Commuter. Sophia Butella. I don't I probably said that no, wrong. That's right. She's she plays Delphine. She is in the Mummy, the Mummy with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, <laughs> yep. She's also in Kingsman, the first one, right? The first yep, one. She's good in that. Bill Skarsgård, which I forgot he was in this, plays Merkel. He is uh, Pennywise in the new It films, Chapter One and Two. He's also in the TV show Castle Rock and the upcoming Crow. He's in. He plays uh, what's his face? Oh, the lead in the, the Crow. Crow. Yeah. Okay. 
And then Till Schweiger as Watchmaker, who's in, you know, from Glorious Bastards. That's why I put him in there. He was also in Valkyrie. Wow, very nice, which is an episode we did, by the way. Yeah, season one. one. Season one, yeah. Oof. Way back in the day. Oof. So I don't remember if you saw this film. Yeah, we watched it together. Did we, did we watch this together? Yeah. Okay. Well, what did you think upon second rewatch? Uh, a lot of the problems I had with it the first time remain. Okay. Which were? Like the double twist at the end, I still think is a little kind of cheesy. The coloring of the movie, I think is a little too much. I got some notes on the color. Uh, and, and the story in general is just kind of... Okay, it's a it's an excuse to have the action, but the st- the overall style, the use of music, the acting in the film, um, the costuming, like everything else is put together so well that you know it's still a really enjoyable film. And for a budget of just thirty million dollars, it's really impressive some of the stuff they do, and the stunt work is incredible. That was my big takeaway. Uh, well, one of the takeaways from this watch was the when I learned about the budget, I was surprised. I, I thought it would be a lot more. So I, th- I thought what they did with that budget, but l- let's be fair. A lot of the blood is digital. Oh, for and, sure, and yeah. that was something I had mentioned to my wife when we were watching it, because I said like, oh, now that digital blood has become so prevalent, there's so many more headshots and, and close up guns and fake. Like um, even the gun blasts are fake. Even like the, the gunfire, the oh, well, bl- well, especially now after, right. No, well, that's well, just what you're going to see. Well, maybe now, but this is ten, five years ago. Right. Right. But, you know, so a lot of it's all like all digital. So I think you get a lot more of that. I don't know if that's a, necessarily a good or a bad thing. I mean, it's it's so quick. It happens so quick that, you know, you don't even kind of it doesn't register. Right. You know, but in terms of blood, blood effects and squibs and stuff like that, I always one of the reasons why I love Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger is all the squib work. I just love that scene where the guy gets blown up as you being used as a human shield on the escalator. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that's not going to really happen in today's uh, action film. But that being said, I do enjoy all that stuff in this film and the budget being at 30 million surprised me that, that it was so there were a lot of stuff that they did. Um, I did like the music. Like you said, um, that was a big thing. Right. Uh, I, I, one of my notes is that the music, the soundtrack is really cool. The color stuff that you talk about, maybe let's let's get into that now. Okay, because um, I it's, it works sometimes, but sometimes it just is too much. Well, when they first you first see her, uh, I don't know if she's in East Berlin or not. It's desaturated. She's in London first. Okay, but everything's coming out of the first, tub. When you first see her outside, every it's desaturated the whole thing. And I don't know if that's just because it's the opening credits and they're being spray painted everywhere, which is really cool. Um, but then there's stuff so. I noticed there's different scenes where there's different lights with inside. So like when they go to the bar, right. It's pink. The Which bar, I like, right. The bar, I'm talking about the bar when she meets up with Bremovich. Yeah. Okay. Her hotel room is always blue. The watch place is yellow. Mm-hmm. The interrogation room that she is in when she's re- when she's doing the bookending of the story, which they keep going back to is I would say silver clean, yeah. like, you know, clean it's and clean, silver. Yeah. yeah. The club that she goes to when she meets Delphine is blue and red. So you definitely have that there again. The room where they go to with the resistance where you meet Merkel, who's played by Bill Skarsgård, is green. It's like very like pukey green in the background. Yeah, stuff like that. So they're so and it seems like they did do some desaturation when they're in East Berlin and not West Berlin. Yeah. So there is stuff going on. Now I, I don't I don't know if it was distracting to, to me, but I, I I was trying to find some kind of reasoning for it right i couldn't tell from my notes and watching it if it was 
specific throughout the like they okay this is what we're gonna have everything's coated like this or they were just like oh let's green it here let's put make this one blue like you know what i mean i didn't really catch on if it was intentional as much yeah it just seemed to be all over but even this watch and i think that was one of the things coming out of it last time that i was like yeah like i like when she's in her hotel room and it's blue and pink with the neon lights i like when the lights are there showing us why it's colorized Mm -hmm. like the opening shot of her when she's getting out of the ice bath naked and everything's blue why is everything blue you can't like it that's coming from nowhere well that's her whole that's the hotel room that's the london hotel room that's not her berlin i think that's supposed to be like early morning but yes agreed yeah it's blue blue right 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 right, right. like you said the desaturation the green when they when they're in sarsgaard's place Mm -hmm. it just it's all over the place and i understand maybe the blue at the beginning when she's in that hotel room when she's getting out and then she's wearing that that bright red coat at the very very end Mm -hmm. might represent something but it's tough to try to pinpoint everything else that's colored in this movie. When she, oh, the other thing too is the exterior stuff in the day when she goes to meet Merkel on the top of the building. The tower, yeah. That's supposed to be East Berlin or West Berlin. That's supposed to be East Berlin. Okay. It's very like everything's grayed out. It's almost not yeah. just saturated to the point, but all the buildings are gray and everything. And maybe it is a little bit desaturated. But at night, when she's at night, night scenes are just kind of lit nice. Yeah. They look really nice. And I, so I didn't really understand if maybe there wasn't any thought process going into night scenes. So, my point being is that the same thing I said before, like there was a lot of, I think there's a lot of thought going into the look of the film. I just don't know if the, if the look of the film is, is giving us an overall theme to the entire film. Does that make sense? Where it's just like, Oh, this is a cool scene. Let's light it green. It's just on. style over substance. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, that's fine. I just, I'm just curious if there was some kind of thought pattern to that. It's just, it's so I've never seen something with style over substance in terms of coloring where there are so many different choices. Well, there was, yeah. Scenes. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of color and maybe that's kind of indicative of the 80s. Um, just they're kind of like trying to bring that through. They don't right. really do a lot of that color with their clothing. It's more just exterior stuff. And, right. And, you know, so, I mean, I think it was with their clothing. It was it probably a little too much. The clothing's rather drab. Well, <laughs> but it's it's eighties in East Berlin and stuff like that. Well, so. my one question about the clothing is, where is she getting all these clothes? <laughs> she just like <laughs> has all these dresses. And yeah, should like, she even come over in it with a suitcase? I have no idea. I don't that remember maybe, a suitcase. They just show her going into the London Embassy, right, in West Berlin. They don't ever really tell her, show her. She when she arrives, they do show her. She has those two bags, but that's it. Yeah, right. So, which did you notice that that is the tunnel where she had the crash mm-hmm. when you first meet Percival and she gets into the wrong car and she has that little fight scene. Like that's the same tunnel from Captain America, Winter Soldier, when Black Panther stops uh, Bucky and all oh, that stuff. It? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I guess that. it's also the same tunnel where they did stuff for the Hunger Games as well. So that's that tunnel in Berlin has been used before. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me a little bit of the tunnel from, uh, <clears throat> even though I know that was America, the third, the fourth Die Hard movie where he shoots the, uh, the car into the air to get the that's LA. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right by uh Fox headquarters in Los Angeles. That's terrible. I know that. Right? I think that was. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think I'm right there. I think I think I'm right, Bubba. But they do <laughs> do a couple of car launches in this as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh I where do you want to go from here? Do you like that it's set in the eighties? Well, because, I mean, it's set around the Berlin Wall collapsing, so yeah. it's November. I mean, it starts off with, like, you know, the Berlin Wall collapses in November 1989. This but is this not, is that, not story. that story. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't mind that. Why do you not like that? No, I like it. I Not only do I like the juxtaposition of, like, the stuff going on in Berlin at the time, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a lot of spy stories set exactly around this time nowadays. Uh, usually it's, like, 60s Cold War. 
I like the fact that you're setting it by setting it in the eighties, you don't have the distraction of USB chips or, you know, cell phones or satellite links. You don't have her with an earpiece tied into Langley headquarters or whatever, or MI6 headquarters. You know, everything's very much, you're on your own. This is the mission. Go and do it. And I think that's a really cool point. Like, I know they'll never do it in a James Bond film to do it as a period piece, but I think that would be really cool. Like a really cool thing to see is like just like a stripped down spy film where you're really, once you're out there, you're on your own. You don't have that huge support network. Yeah. I mean, I, but I mean, that's what the story, I mean, it's supposed to take place in the eighties. So I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what kind of backdrop would you do for this story? That's not to take it out of the eighties where it would be more, it would be as, uh, intriguing in terms of what's like the background stuff you'd have to do you have to do a spy list but maybe against like middle eastern players right. or you know china or something like that a spy list that basically was what mission impossible was about yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's getting the knock list oh. yeah she's got to go see job <laughs> there's also a similarity with ed brubaker's image comic series velvet it has the same premise spy trying to get a list you know, so there was kind of so. I mean, maybe this story has been told before. No, it's um, also kind of similar to from Russia with Love. He's trying to get the microfilm. Yeah, so I, mean, I guess a, I mean that's just a classic spy story. I think spies being uh, found out um, in terms of like you know who their allegiances are, what they've been up to, and and that kind of stuff. Spies being going like feral or whatever mm-hmm. from being out there too long. Mm-hmm. Which I do like that. That's the. I mean, James Mack was just awesome in pretty much every movie he's in, but I really like his introduction. Just they go, he's feral, whatever. But then you really introduce him. And his first line is basically, uh, what I wrote it down. His first line is, uh, or open for business. Money is good. Information is better. And he's just saying it to the punks. And he's got like his own stand of goods. Yeah. And he's literally just selling stuff to get information. Like, it's just, I really thought that was a really cool way to introduce him. The thing with Percival is that when you first meet him and he, well, when not when you first meet him, when he meets, Lorraine and he lies about knowing Spyglass. So are we immediately to believe he's a bad guy? It's like they don't really do a good job of hiding the fact that this is the bad guy. No, they don't. The the twists of like who is, you know, well, obviously that's not who Satchel is, but him being the bad guy is just kind of like you know it pretty much from the start. And this but the Satchel subplot or who Satchel is doesn't come until 40 minutes into the film, 40, 40 like uh, all of a sudden, they start talking about Satchel. Well, when she's first sent to Berlin, they say, we got to find Satchel. They go back to it when she is mm-hmm. talking to per. See, that's the thing. I don't remember it happening in the first five or ten minutes. I do remember they go back to that opening scene when she first talks to C. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember Toby Jones' uh, character. Oh, that's name. a that's they go back. to That's that? a flashback. To oh, that. it's not that original right. first time. OK. And so it, I, that whole Satchel thing, like the, my, my biggest issue with this film and it's just, it might be a nitpick is I had some confusion when the story being told and the back and forth and, and everything. Right. And maybe it's because I knew that Percival was the bad guy. You know what I mean? And so maybe it wasn't a good job of hiding it, but the whole stuff at Satchel, like I said, came in late. I just, I was, I still like the film and I, and I still like a lot of the film. I was just had, there was, I had some confusion in terms of storyline, in terms of what they're doing and, and like the whole thing where like, I knew the ending of the film Mm -hmm. and I knew what happens at the end of the film. We'll get to it because we we spoil things, but I didn't remember, like I, 
had a, it, I rem, it was reminded to me when I was watching the film, but like 45 minutes, an hour into the film, when they started oh, throwing right. my satchel, I'm just like, oh, right. Okay, that's why that's that seems like that because she's supposed to be the Russian agent, which she's not. And then I'm like, wait, I don't. Why am I just figuring this out now? I, I remembered that, but and, and that's still one of my biggest problems with the film. And I, I agree with you. The story is just kind of the twists are there just to be twists at the end mm-hmm. and make no sense. As well as the very beginning, like oh, I can't remember the character's name. Whoever the person we see get killed at the very beginning, uh, her her boyfriend, her boyfriend, her and apparently Percival's friend. Yeah. It's like, like when he kills the hitman, he's like, this is for him. Um, yeah. I'm talking about Percival kills him. And he's just like, this is for J- uh, James or something. It just doesn't. And uh, it just never comes back into the story. She's got this photo of him. They had a, they had a past. Lorraine and him had a past. Yes. It means nothing. There's no, it doesn't seem like there's a need for revenge in what she's doing. So why even have that? What, what's the whole point? Of well, that? the, so like I said before, you, she, you, she's satchel, but she's not really satchel. She's actually an American agent. No, I get, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking, I'm talking for Talk, Yeah. But you, to your point, when she's with this other agent, who's a British agent, the person, the guy who dies in the beginning, right. is she with him because she loves him or is she with him because she is playing that role of Lorraine Broughton and, and, you know what I mean? This or is, is that just supposed to right, right? You're right. And they don't ever, they don't ever say that. I think you're supposed to be like, no, she really did love him. But how can you, in any kind of spy film, how can you ever believe any of that? They never really go back to they it. They don't. You're right. So it was, it was, that was a little weird. That's the, st- that's always, and I think we've talked about this before in other spy stuff that we've talked about that with spy films, there's always that question of, wait a minute, is that really how they feel? Or is that really true? They, they, and I don't know if, when people do spy films is they purposely just leave it like that. So, cause you never know, cause that's the world or right. because you really do need to know in order to complete the story in, in your head. You need at least a little hint of something. Sure. Yeah. Sure. The other question I have plot wise is obviously spyglass gets killed. He dies in the, in the crash. Yeah. You never see what happens to his wife and kid. Well, you see, Kersfeld talking to them right when they've crossed over saying my condolences. And then he comes back to Percival saying that Lorraine got out. And that's what you per- did. I yes. miss that? Okay. Yeah. All so right, what, what ends up happening, because that's how Percival knows that Lorraine survived. Well, I know that because John Goodman tells. Right. Yeah. But that, in the background, he's leaving the family saying oh, my condolences. I, yes. For some reason, I must have missed that. I thought they were just people working in the back. No, 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 yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. So they got out. Okay. Yeah. But like the whole idea, because he knew that, see, Percival knew that Lorraine was um, Satchel. Because he had no. Because he read the list. list. Right. He read the thing. Killing, killing Spyglass made it that. You know, now Spyglass couldn't reveal that. Right. So now he's the only one that has that information, you know, but that, but that turned out to be bad for him because she could just pin it on him. Exactly. Which is what she was playing. Right. Well played. Which is when the, like the first time you get to see Ishii Satchel when he goes like, because you're Satchel goes, oh, is that how you're going to spin it? Yeah. And then you get the other reveal, like she's Satchel. Like that's supposed to be a shock when she goes to the Russian uh, guys. And the end of the movie. And you're like, but I already know she's, which I didn't really catch the first time. But now I'm watching it and I go, but Percival just told us she's Satchel. And then they're making this kind of big deal out of it. Yeah. But well, you didn't know that she wasn't you American. That's the whole then thing. Then there's the other real, but that's the, the twist and the twist. And I'm just like, Ugh. and there's also the, the note that I read that 
if you notice that she's drinking Stoli the whole movie, which right. is Russian vodka, which should have told you that she's, that she's satchel, satchel, that you're supposed to pick up on that. Also, toward, uh, just to kind of talk about the end of the film, when she you know gets out of it, she reaches into that ice bucket really slow. Like, uh, like, oh, yeah. like, like, like no one knows it's a gun? Grabbing the gun. Like they don't notice that she, like no one clues the fact really that- really got to cool my hand before I go ice? What is she doing? Nah, don't worry about it. It's fine. I <laughs> <laughs> just like, be professional. Get on the get on the plastic. <laughs> Have you seen all the other people she's killed? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do like that when she gets knocked around. Like unlike James Bond, she bleeds. She gets bruises that last the whole rest of the movie. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a nice touch because like Born and and Bond and stuff like that. They always get like the crap beat out of them. But by the next scene, they're just popping their shoulder back in. No scratches or anything. Or maybe they have one line across their head. Well, that's kind of well. Let's let's talk about this because that's kind of along the lines of John Wick. There's a lot of connections with this film and John Wick, obviously the director. Right. But Theron trained with Keanu Reeves as he was training for John Wick to where they were sparring. She had. So here's here's the note I have. She had eight personal trainers to help master her performance. And the quote I have from her is that she talks about let's see they trained her so hard that they made her puke every single day they trained like that was what like that's how hard they that she trained she she clenched her jaw so much during training that she she cracked two teeth mm-hmm. that she had to have surgery on i'm talking about charlie saron but like and she like i said she sparred with keanu reeves while they're making john wick and they have talked about a potential crossover with the john wick films which i don't get because she is if, if this is in 1989 and John Wick is now, there's no way you're telling me that we're going to see uh, a 65-year-old Charlie Theron in, in old makeup helping John Wick? Or are we going to see a prequel John Wick without Keanu Reeves and it's somebody else? You're I don't want that. Prequel. I don't want that. It, it would make no sense. Yeah. Plus, this, uh, Atomic Blonde presents America, England, Russia, a little bit the French spy agencies. Keanu Reeves deals with imaginary assassin leagues and stuff like that. You'd have to set... A whole lot of stuff. Well, you'd have to explain how the two worlds are connected. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if, I guess I can't envision it. So maybe that's why I don't know. I don't really want it, but I mean, who am I to, if I see the trailer and I'm like, all right, I mean, who cares, you know, at that point, but yeah, so they have talked about that, which I thought was interesting. Can they just make an atomic one too, if they want to do atomic one? Well, the sequels in the works, Butler. So as of 2020, uh, uh, the director's on board. Charlie Saron's on board. McCormick's going to produce. And as of 2020, the film is in development with Netflix as an exclusive movie for their streaming channel. Uh, so, and now I'm not excited. Well, anymore. they're already doing the old guard, which is all the which is which is her old guard too. Excuse me, which is her, which is Charlie. So they'll do this. So I would expect that you're going to get a sequel. Mm. I mean, Netflix isn't going to say no. Oh yeah, did. I know. So you're just going to get a Netflix movie out of it. <laughs> well, seeing <laughs> that this film took five years to get developed. I mean, it, it, we're right a long time with, with this film with to come out. One. So, yeah. So I just don't know. It's really tough to, again, we, it's really tough to judge success after so many years. Yeah. 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 So it's it, plus also it's really tough to judge success for, on a streaming site. You know what I mean? Like we can't have these kind of, we couldn't have this episode of Atomic Blonde too. And I can't sit here and go, well, it's uh first weekend and did this, 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 because we don't, we're not going to have those numbers. Oh, right. So it's, 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 it's really difficult to judge how films do now with streamers. I mean, I, you can go online anywhere and people could tell you, oh, this film's the best. This film's the best. This film's the best. That's just hype. It doesn't exactly. Mean yeah. yeah. They just want to get you know Netflix, become Netflix friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And get like you say, get that quote on their commercials or whatever. Of course. Of course. So I had some question about McAvoy in this film. 
with the cast. And I'm like, did he break his hand in this film? But then there was that point where he takes the cast off and you notice it's that. It's a secret, yeah. But he did break his hand in, in during Split. Split. Yep. So, and it was like, my note I have was he had to do action scenes with his injured hand when returning. So, okay, wait a minute. He left the show, the, the left this to go do Split, came back. I didn't well, get that note. said when filming resumed. Yeah, which so, did filming pause on this film? I don't know. Did Charlize Theron get hurt during it? I didn't, I didn't see anything here. So. And not in my notes. So, but yeah, who knows? I do still like the the cast idea. I thought that was clever because he puts, you know, obviously he puts weapons in there. He's yeah. got the sound device and it always makes him seem weaker than he actually sure, is. So sure. You always underestimate him. Um, I thought that was a really cool. You know, costume piece, but also part of his personality. Right, right. No, I thought it worked. I, I just was questioning whether that was part of the movie or. It became part of the movie because he broke his hand. Do you know he's what got, I mean? He's got it so often, I would imagine, unless they film, refilmed scenes. He has it every scene, got, right? Yeah, until all the time. Until the end? Until the very end where he just takes it off because it's useless. And she finds the cast with their recording device in it. Right, right. She's going to his apartment. Well, he doesn't have it when he murders Delphine, right? No, right. He has taken yeah. it off because he's going to strangle her. Right, right, right. Which makes no sense. What's that? Strang well, it makes sense to try to strangle her at first. But then after the fight breaks out, and there's clearly the gun on the ground and the knife on the ground or whatever. He goes back to the garage. It's just, just get it over well, with, dude. Delphine, the, the whole, so my note when they get, they have, they have sex. Yes. When, uh, Lorraine and Delphine have sex is like, and this is why a lot of guys like this film. Oh you yeah. Know? There's way more nudity in this film that Which, I remember. Whatever. Who cares? And, and the note that Sophia, like, did I say her name right? Patella. Yeah. yeah. She talks about in an interview where she said that the media made a big deal about her sex scene and that she said it was not annoying, but why is it such a big deal to see people having sex? You see people kill each other on screen all the time. That's not a big deal. They're just movies, which I kind of agree with. It's it, There is some kind of, you know, oh. right. But regardless of that, when she calls Percival to tell him I have something on you, like the right. only reason that call is made is for her to die. Yeah. And it, that's kind of, that's kind of not, that that's not good. It's for her to die. But also they double down on that in the scene you're talking about when they're fighting where like she can't get to the gun. Uh, 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 uh. It's yeah. like, aren't you a trained assassin? Aren't you a trained agent? I, I, they it, just keep talking. She's a really, she's an overhead. She's a really yeah, bad It's spot. just for her she's to die. Really bad it's spot. just for her to die, which kind of was annoying. So that she can leave the envelope with pictures. Sloppy. Which she knows she's going to die. Yeah. It's, it's, because she why couldn't she just leave in the night yep. and leave Lorraine wanting her more or something yeah. like that? Sorry, you know the game. Right. Come on, person. I, I just, I don't, I, I just, I, I didn't, there's no reason for her to die. I just right. didn't. It was for another action piece. And it was like, she's just said, oh, okay, I better make this call so I get killed. It was stupid. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way she went out. I just didn't agree with it. Um, you had a, you had an interesting character where if you were going to do a sequel, you could have carried it on. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, but I know that in she the. She could be a bad spy that gets better over time sure. in the series. Yeah. In the graphic novel, The Coldest City, Delphine's actually a male character. So they change it to a female character. So you've already changed the character. You just change the outcome if that male character does die in the in the, in the, actual in the graphic novel or not. Novel, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. So that was one of the things that was just kind of like, eh, not cool. So I really like the the music in this film. Yep. I really like the way they use, um, obviously, music of the time, but they also use the German versions of a lot of songs. Yep. And I think that's really interesting. And kind of music is used kind of sort of toward the beginning where you've got um Kurt, not Kurt, who's the uh, Russian guy? So bad with names. Bramovich. Bramovich. Where Bramovich goes up and like 
have you seen this guy? He's looking for spyglass. And he uses like, these kids have been listening to popular music and he oh, plays right. uh, uh oh, right, yeah. off balloon starts playing. Yeah. And and the guy can't break dance, which you deserve a beating. Yeah, if he you just can't falls break on dance. his butt. Like, like, like first of all, he didn't tell you to break dance. He told you to dance. You chose to break dance and you were horrible at it. So half a move. Why would you choose to break dance <laughs> if you can't dance that? Yeah, I, I didn't get that. Uh, but I, I thought the introduction and the use of music is really good. And the way that they obviously go to London, London calling plays. And mm-hmm. then uh, the very first American song that plays is when she's revealed to be an American. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. What about I thought there was more action in this film. Now, there's a huge action set piece which takes place in the building with the marble stairs and then that go, that goes into the car. Yeah, fake one shot. Um, right. So that's a key fight sequence that unfolds in real Berlin building. It lasts 10 minutes and it's supposed to look like it's one take, which is cool, but you know it's not. It's comprised actually, of 40 separate shots. 40 shots. Wow. I only noticed it in five different times I noticed shots. All right. So there's 40 separate shots seamlessly stitched together. That's impressive. They were filmed chronological from start to finish. And half the splices they needed, they had to have CGI assistance. So they did swish pans, which provided, you know, obviously for smooth cuts and then yep. obviously door frames. But they, they, put, they digitally altered the look it wasn't just to make it look like right shot so and i mean if you go back you could probably tell which is which like i said i i only noticed it what i got one two three four i got four that i were like really Mm -hmm. like that's a cut that's a cut (laughs) but yeah 40 that that's still impressive at 40 yeah that's really cool so that whole scene is the biggest scene the scene when she fights in the hotel with in the apartment with the hose is another action set piece Mm -hmm. The scene, I guess, when she's chased, when she goes into the stalker film, the the Soviet era stalker movie. Yeah. Uh, which is, I had an, uh, did I have a note on that? I did. Yeah. So that movie is called Stalker. It's a 1979 Soviet made film. Oh, about, it's a real film? Okay. About a professional guide who leads his clients on a clandestine trek through a surreal region called the zone to reach a mysterious room where a person's innermost desire is granted. So. If you're interested in that, <laughs> um, but I don't know if I could call that a action. Yeah, because it's really scenes. quick. Yeah, and, I mean, she stabs that guy with her keys, and then he like leaves it in his cheek forever. <laughs> he does just leave it in the cheek. <laughs> so I thought there was a lot more action in this film. No, it's about what I remembered in terms of action. What do you think about the huge, obviously, action piece in the building on the stairs? I think it's really well done. Like I said, I, I mean, it takes it. As cool as it is that there's 40 shots and I only noticed five cutaways, right. it does take a little bit out of it that there were cutaways in general. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't just do a cool one shot. Oh, there's a lot of stuff there's happening. There's a lot going man. on, but I, like I've I seen mean, some really cool hurt. one shots in like Old Boy, the original Old Boy. Sure. Obviously, Daredevil every season had a really cool one take. Like if, if a TV show can do it, I can't see why a movie can't do like some really cool one take. I get you. And I like one shots. But like the Daredevil one shot is when they're fighting is half the fighting is in different rooms. And then they fly into the hallway. That one shot I'm talking about. I think that was in the first episode. The first one is the hallway. Right, right. I get that. But like this one had that dude straight up fall back. Oh, there were a couple of stunt stairs. Yes. That is one of my notes is like. Oh my God! I've yeah. never seen a stunt performer do that. Well, you sh- well you would know Is that. Is there a smooth cut? No, <laughs> no, no, no. The marble stairs are stairs are and a lot of the wall are actually padded. Oh and yeah, it's, and it's fake. painted yeah. to look like marble, so a lot of that can happen. But still, that's a heck of a stunt where he's just like, oh, like, and I know like there's a stunt where she's thrown into the wall. That's actually her being mm-hmm. thrown into the wall. I think it's when she flips the other guy around. She goes down the stairs. That's not she her. When she flips landing, the guy, yeah. he throws her into the wall. That's her. 
So there's other stuff like that, putting her stunt person in there. Then her um, battle scene's good. I like that. I like the fight when they get into the room with the uh, the, the kids is, room. Yeah. And they yeah. start fighting and she hits him with the hot plate a couple times in the head. Yep. Um, I thought that was good. They, the minority report defense when they go out and they put all the b- b- umbrellas up <laughs> starts <laughs> off. <laughs> but that, I mean, I was just like minority report. The hose fight, like I, the line that I was just didn't understand when she he, and she, I just didn't think it was as I guess funny was when she's like, I would have wore something different when. Oh I, yeah, when the, if I knew the cops were coming, I would have wore something wore different. Something and I, different, and I was just like. I don't know if I really, really like that line. Who, who cares? That's the cheesy what do you kind wear, of sweats? Line. Yeah, that's the cheesy kind of line you'd see in like this MTV music video before yeah. someone does something cool and like the man just doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, like like you, this whole movie's about style. You're going to show up in sweatpants? Yeah. I just You still kicking her ass. You still oh, had it, something that hid your face. You to, had like a scarf already right. ready to go. Great scene. I like the scene. I like the fight stuff with the hose. I don't know why somebody has a garden hose in their apartment, but that's Berlin. I don't know Berlin. <laughs> but um, I, it was fine. I just didn't like, I wasn't a huge fan of that line, but you know, I, I like all the action. I don't know if it takes away that a lot of it's CGI, a lot, like a lot of it is cuts. Like you said, does that take it away for you at all? I don't know if it does for me. I'm just asking. Now that I know it, I think it does a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the stunt guys are still doing stuff and the yeah. stunt women. It's still really cool. Even if it is a padded staircase, which I knew it would was that guy's still taking a backwards fall onto stairs. It's still not a solid ground and it's slanted backwards. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough. I don't know if like my body would let me do that easily. But I'm going to compare this to John Wick because same director and we've already talked about John Wick. Right. All compared to all the first three and whenever four is coming out would be lovely. Um, I think the John Wick stuff is more there's more I, I don't know. I just feel like there's more pain in John Wick. The John Wick stuff is more of what you get in the staircase. Whereas like the, right, host, the yeah. host stuff is kind of like slick or whatever. Yeah. The staircase, there's a lot of getting beat up. It's a lot of falling down. Mm-hmm. John Wick is a lot of falling down, getting stabbed, falling off this down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they fall down city street stairs and John Wick head first and bounce their heads which i was like oh but i also like the fact that john wick has that grapple fighting style like he actually has a fighting style that's also and true. she is and and while her fighting style is 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 still a style but it's almost like cia trained so or a russian mi6 trained so you're kind of yeah. like it's i've seen this before like the john wick stuff with the grapple fighting i've never really seen as much as that in the, it's in a the little movie, more so i think yeah. i like that maybe that's why i mean i i know i know i keep comparing the two movies that's probably mm-hmm. unfair that's probably not fair of me um, but because of the connection, that's why I am. So deal with it. <laughs> I mean, with her fight style, you could say that. I, I mean, I do like that she's able to hold her own against the men, but in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're like a lot of their stuff is like one punch across, like really just trying to wallop her out because she's, you know, just a smaller than them. It, it takes a little less. Yeah. Where her like, so when she punches, it's hard punches, but it's like five, six, seven punches in the face all in a row. I think that's really cool that she positions herself in a way where she can overtake them. Like on the staircase, she tries to get them down below so she can kick them further down the stairs. She does a lot of stuff where she can get up above them or grappling so that they're below her, even, you know, in terms of she does a lot of she like it's not grapples, but she does a lot of tackles and stuff like that as well, which I think are cool. Right. right. And obviously a lot of found weapons, which is neat, which is always good. That we always yeah. like this film was going to be released August 11th, but I got moved up to the 28th. I'm I'm wondering if they thought it would be a good counter program against the emoji movie. Maybe that's why <laughs> I, I should have looked and seen what came out the 11th movie. They're running away from something. Oh, you know what? You know, let me do that right now. I mean, August is usually the dump month. No, nah, it's the end of the summer. End of the summer, not dump month, but usually you get your like blockbusters, but they're not your big like Marvel film kind of things. I 
Unless some, you're going to tell me something really big came I'm out about that to. week. I'm yeah, about all right, to. what came out? Let's see. On the 11th, uh, The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. No, I don't think. An- Annabelle Creation, no, The Glass think. Castle. Maybe it was just full of movies. Maybe that's why. They were just like, eh. Maybe I mean we got to fill a hundred. Maybe slot. they moved it up because it was just the emoji movie that week. So maybe they figured, listen, we can go up against that. I mean that's why they did it. But they were sandwiched between Wind River and something else, right? Well, Wind River, yeah, but Wind River wasn't a a huge film. It's in the still another adult. It was movie. a great film, right? And they did go the week after Dunkirk, which that was the other, yeah Dunkirk, which mm. it's still Christopher Nolan. And although the movie is not maybe his greatest or most accessible blockbuster it's still going to put a lot of butts in the seats because it's just got christopher nolan's name on it and this it, is before yeah. he started it, just it, talking like out of his butt all the time it made 180 million 888 million dollars domestic 525 worldwide so that's what i'm saying people were good. still people were still going to see it regardless well his not made to be the, the, the nolan stuff the, the what butler's talking about is nolan's uh just what's the word i'm looking for obtuse or just kind of stubbornness of trying to have tenant come out and be the movie that would save uh, gonna be me. the theaters during the pandemic and it's like that's not the movie that first of all that's not the movie that would do it i mean you could tell that and he cost warner brothers a lot of money and because every time you every time they had to change a date it almost like it was like 200 million dollars they had to put back in to promote yeah. it and it had to make 800 million dollars in order to break even which is what i read a while ago so yeah the nolan stuff is just because of that, which I agree with. I thought that was very short-sighted of him. And obviously it's Top Gun Maverick. So, (laughs) (laughs) but so, but back to this, back to 2017, uh, the Marvel movie that was, was Spider-Man homecoming July 7th. So it didn't even matter. I mean, it came out three weeks later, but still, that was still keeps going. Why would you, why would you put it up against? I mean, maybe you didn't think Spider-Man would be a big film. I don't know. You're open counter programming by three weeks in, you'll maybe, just be the Marvel fans. Maybe. I mean, Atomic Blonde is, I think this is a good summer film. Sure. But I think it's definitely a summer film. You can make an argument for. I think August maybe, looks better for it, though. But you can make an argument for uh, the holiday season because it's cold. Yeah. That's fine. But I think this, I don't think its release date was an issue. I, I would be fine with that release date. And it made it, it made money. It's just, it's, it, it's very. I don't want to say it's niche, but. Maybe maybe the trailers. I don't know. I don't the know. Style why. over substance, definitely. Well, we're talking about why. How? I mean, we're actually getting into how we think it's forgotten. So I don't know if we should do that until later. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we, maybe we should bust out some more facts and then we'll go back to that. We'll go back to that discussion. <laughs> Double back. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you. So at the end of the film, Percival, it, it makes it seem like he's breaking the fourth wall. But he's not. He's supposed to be talking to Lorraine. He's talking to Lorraine before she shoots him. But he's breaking the fourth wall. But he's wall. breaking. He's yeah. talking to us. So I didn't like that. I did no, not like that at all. all. I did well, not, why would he even tell Lorraine that I, to begin with? I didn't like I, I was not. I, I, my quote is like, why are we breaking the fourth wall? Why now? And then I was like, oh, maybe he's talking to Lorraine. Okay, fine. But still, I didn't like it because yeah. he wasn't. He was burning the camera. Even if he wasn't. Even if he didn't burn the camera. Even if it was an admission to Lorraine about the spy, it is way too monologue it is where percival wouldn't be doing that it's he's also it's saying stuff that we already know it's just yeah it's very much a conclusion to a novel they've already made reference to the fact that east berlin is like the wild west he says that they've already made reference to the fact that he's feral you already see him towing the lines of right. gray being the black and white like he is obviously is, yeah he's already mentioned it's a game right i i 
I agree. I don't think it's needed. And if you're gonna do, if you're going to do that, then you need to do that earlier with other characters to like establish when, the style. When right. is she, when she's in the interrogation, have her just talking to the camera then instead of talking to yep. the Chris Feld and uh, well, and that's his admission while her she right. has hers. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I, all of a sudden to come out at the end of the film, it's just it was like it was like whoa, what? Like it was just very off putting. Um, does it look great? Yeah. Is it a nice moment? Yeah. But the fact is that when you're watching it within the framework of the movie and it, it, you don't ever kind of get any glimpse of that in the film beforehand, it, it's it kind of throws you off a little bit. I don't think it's a great moment. Well, Him I, getting I, his shot monologue then, is a, it's a good it's a decent monologue. If you do that monologue at a at a uh, audition, audition yeah. it's gonna be okay. It's, it's gonna hit. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I just don't in and of itself in the film, I don't think it fits. Right. I mean, because we already know this information. It's not we're not like <gasps> He's so, you know, like we're not like that. Him also just kind of accepting it is is very out of character for him. Mm -hmm. So he's he's escaped. He's feral. He's just trying to play the game, and he gives up because she flattened his tire. Because <laughs> at first she's not there, and he kind of like throws his hand up with the bag and going, "Oh man, what do I do now? There's an alleyway right there. Go into the crowd. There's a party going on outside. Disappear." <laughs> and he just kind of goes Ugh, and lets himself have this this monologue. Just didn't make any sense to me. I'm talking about, I want to talk about the, some of the critic stuff. Okay. And let, let me see. Cause you like this film, right? Overall. Yeah. It's okay. still a fun film. I do enjoy it. I got problems with the story, but Jack Coyle of the Associated Press gave this film two out of four stars, calling it quote, largely a vacant hyper stylistic romp that trades on thick cold war atmosphere of far better films. I mean, so he's saying that this movie is, you're going into this film liking it based on other films you already watched about the Cold War. I don't, although I disagree with maybe his score. I, I agree with that review. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. <laughs> um, I didn't even write down who said this. I believe this was Richard Roper who said this. Borrow from Born and Bond, rinse and repeat. This is the recipe for the quite ridiculous, ultra-violent, and deliriously entertaining Atomic Blonde. A slick vehicle for the magnetic, badass charms of Charlize Theron, who is now officially an A-list action star on the strengths of this film and Mad Max Fury Road. She wasn't an A-list action. Well, I guess action star, but she was A-list. Yeah. I mean, I would disagree that it borrows from Born and Bond. It really borrows a lot from other comic book kind of movies and its slickness and John Wick in terms of its style. Agreed. I can agree with that. I think that the you're relating. He's relating it to Born and Bond because it's spies. spies. Yeah. Charlie Serrano said that the success of Mad Max Fury Road is how this movie basically got made. Because she kept trying. That's why it took five years. Yeah. You know, trust yeah. me, I can do it. Trust me, I can do it. Plus, she's I mean, she's, I'm not saying she's old, but she's Hollywood old. <laughs> and that's that's tough for, you know, it's an unfortunate reality that it's tough for a female to get like an action, probably an action like this mm -hmm. in her 40s. Mm hmm. When a guy in his 40s just like, yeah, absolutely. Come on. You can keep doing. You can be Roger Moore when you're 85 doing James Bond stuff. But if a woman hits 32, well, it's downhill. I mean, that's a tangent we can go down, but I don't know if we want to about, you know. I'm just saying that's hypocrisy. probably why. But then all of a sudden they see Mad Max and everybody loves her as Furiosa. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, it's always what have right, you done for down. me lately. It's always what yep. you've done for me lately. Come on, please. That's this whole podcast is based on movies that people forgot because it's not the last thing they've seen. God damn right. <laughs> one more note, one more note, and then we'll get into why I think it's forgotten, unless you have other stuff. Um, so the first fight that she has, I want to say the fight that she has. She has the fight in the car if you can't the car fight. No, in the apartment. I think it's the apartment. When she punches the guys in his the the punches the guy in the 
the uh, nether regions. She does that huge punch okay, that goes yeah. up. You remember that? Was yep. that in the apartment? I can't remember where that was. Maybe the same as the hose fight. Okay, maybe. Anyways, there was a scene when she punches a guy in his testicle area. Sure. I'm sorry, but he's not getting back up and fighting. <laughs> like, like she obliterates his area. And it's like he's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the balls that too late. Guy, there's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain while his compatriots are getting the beat the crap out of him. I mean, I don't I'm like, why are you there's no way you're getting back up? That's the other thing, too. Like, there's a lot of times where these guys are getting stabbed and they're like, Oh, yeah, pulling the knife from their chest and like Ready to fight? Like, what are you doing? Just, just stay down. <laughs> no, gotta keep getting yeah. back up. Like, you, you, you're good. You're done. She beat you. Let it go. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Well, Percival gets stabbed right in the spine. I love that. I love. Do you think that it was? In, this is you're talking about the Delphine fight. Yeah. Do you think it was intentional that he oh, hits the door and it and it goes back into his back? That because I wonder if he he did that. He's just like ah oh, again. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, he's trying to get it out. So I, let's get back to our discussion about why we maybe think it's forgotten. Sure. Go ahead. I think you're right. Because we've talked about this before. But the film might have done better in the wintertime, close to around Thanksgiving, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about these kind of smaller, colder action films seem to do better. They're your kind of action blockbusters of the winter. Mm-hmm. Whereas these are going against, you know, you go against slick hero, superhero movies and bombastic movies like, you know, I know Valerian didn't do any money. But like those are kind of your summer movies. and this might have done better in the wintertime, the cold atmosphere, you know, uh, Charlize Theron and James McAvoy are big names, but they're not Chris Hemsworth. They're not really huge superstar kind of guys. I'm laughing because she's not a guy. That's what I want to ask you. Do you think that this film? Oh, and actually, absolutely. Would you think that? Yeah, that, that the, like this film could have easily made 150 to $200 million. And do you think that's because, She's a female, obviously. And maybe some people were just like, oh, I don't want to go see that. Oh, yeah. If that was like Tom Cruise or Matt Damon right. or Ben Affleck as the atomic blonde. Yeah. Which we clearly are both saying is unfair and ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously. Because it's like, you know, you should be able to watch a trailer and be like, oh, I really want to see that. If you're not want to see that because like, that's so stupid, there's no way that she could do that. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, grow up. I mean, honestly, grow up. But I think that's a, a, a real thing. I think that Absolutely. maybe. And maybe that was why they only had a $30 million budget. Maybe that was something that they equated that was into the equation. Like, listen, it's not going to play as well, which again is stupid. And, you know, and they want to do a Furioso movie with Mad Max. When they are her, doing yeah, yeah, I know. But that's what I'm saying. So like, where's the thought process there? Let's see what happens to that film. It's already an established character. So right. now they're like, all right, we can do it. And an established yeah. male universe. Right. Uh, you know, I which just. Is maybe why they want to connect Atomic Blonde with. John Wick. I, I, again, uh, but I think that's part of it. I sure. think but, uh, we'll get to that, but I want to get to the forgotten stuff. Um, uh, I also think like in this world of Marvel, because we're in the middle of it, 2017 is before Avengers Endgame, right? Just before, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think a lot of these films that might do a little bit better or maybe get a little bit more recognition, maybe when people watch them, they're like, oh, I really like the film and maybe they'll pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray later on, but they're not heralded as big films because there's bigger films out there. Right. And I think that's a little bit unfair. And I think the atomic Blonde is a type of film that, yeah, maybe it's not perfect, but it's a really good Saturday night film to put on and oh, watch. Sure. 
and it's definitely worth a rental. Well, another thing that might hurt it is it's not on a streamer anymore. Well, that's true, but they'll come and go. Those come and go. They yeah. pick them up. They but that, if Netflix is interested in, in picking up a Atomic Blonde tour, or if they actually already have, yeah. you can keep it on your streaming service. I'm sure it would be a, right. a top watch a bunch of times. I'm all for staying home and watching movies on streamers. I don't mind that. But I but I readily admit that I think it, I think it's a mistake for like Atomic Blonde 2 to go on Netflix. Oh yeah, just Netflix. Because yeah. I just I just I think it I think that's a big mistake. I think they're yes, I love theaters and yes, I love going to the movies even though they're going to be expensive as all hell once everyone comes back because they're going to raise prices. They do it all the time. I don't I think it's ridiculous that we had to spend $20 to see a film. I think that's so stupid. Whatever. But I mean, it's I I think when you put them on streamers it's very difficult to judge it's just it, like what leaves is the social aspect of going to a theater with somebody to watch a movie and then going and talk about it after a, a, a right. date, going on a date, you know what I mean? Dinner on a date, dinner on a movie, that kind of date. Like the, I, I think it just now becomes it's just, you posting it on Twitter. So as soon as Twitter right. doesn't care, you don't care. But, and that's the other thing too. Like everything on Twitter is all hype. Everything on social media is all hype about these films because of course a lot of people are going to like films and a lot of people are going to hate films. No one's going to like every single film. I'm sure there's tons of people that hate Top Gun Maverick. I don't know why. <laughs> but I mean, like, but, but that's the thing. And when you, when you go online, you get all that, it just all becomes negative and positive hype. That doesn't really help at all. It's not like, sure. it's not the experience of going to the theater. I think Atomic Bond 2 going, going to Netflix is tough. And I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it for what it's going to do for Atomic Blonde in terms of sales and, and whatever, because it's not like people are going to go rent the, the, the Atomic Blonde VOD. It'll be on Netflix. It'll be on another stream where they can get it. You know what right. I mean? So I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent there, <laughs> but you know, if you haven't seen this film, you really should. I'm sorry we spoiled it for you. If you've seen it before, you should go back and watch it. I, I think it was still fun the second time, even with the issues that I had the first time. Right. The action's still good. It's still stylized. It's, it's a good movie. Sure. Awesome. I, I dig the eighties. Uh, who doesn't like the eighties? Yeah. Who doesn't like the eighties? People uh, from East Berlin. <laughs> I want names. All right, brother, where can they find us? You can find us on Forgotten Cinema Podcast.com or Forgotten Entertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment franchise or franchise now. We're franchising. Uh, Forgotten Entertainment. Uh Family. Just, family, yes. That's Jesus. the word. You couldn't think of the word? Come on, man. I do this every other <laughs> let me let me mess up once on this. Um yeah, while you're there on Forgotten Entertainment.com, check out all the other great uh podcasts and videos we have for your listening and viewing pleasure. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, we're on Apple. Spotify, Google, everywhere. Just listen to us uh, some more. Subscribe, like, leave a review, all that kind of good stuff. And join us next week when we'll be doing Summer Catch from 2001 and with a special guest star next week, Butler. We're having Pat Whalen from yet another MCU podcast. I don't know if you've heard about this podcast, but I'm on it. Ooh, I think I've guessed it on that podcast a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's next week. Summer Catch, a little baseball from 2001. Uh, that's all I got. So until then, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Hello, 
my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th.